Hi, I'm Sam, and I'd like to welcome Dave Pegg, a bassist for Fairport Convention, Jethro Tull, and many other great bands. Welcome, Dave. How are you today? Hiya, Sam. I'm fine. I'm in Brittany in France, uh, on the on the west coast of northern France, and uh, we haven't had any rain today, so uh, after I've talk to you i've got gardening duties to do <laughs> oh <laughs> so, yes so take take your time don't rush because the minute i stop i'm going to be collared to to work in the garden <laughs> <laughs> well, well i i definitely yeah no i i feel you having having rain sucks so it's i guess it's good to have a, a sunny day once in a while right absolutely yeah we've had enough of it here but uh yeah it's spring-like today so it's it it bodes well for easter well, that's good. So, when you joined Fairport Convention, they were already a pretty successful band. How'd you get with them? Um, well, I joined at, at, at the end of 1969 when Ashley Hutchings left uh, and Sandy Denny left. Um, I, I, I knew about the band because I was a big fan of Dave Swarbrick, who was a violinist in, in Fairport Convention. In, in, uh, he joined in 1969. They made an album called Legion Leaf which was the kind of father of British folk rock, I suppose. It's the album that combined traditional tunes and songs with with the kind of rock and roll, uh, with the electric music, you know, provided by, by Ashley and Simon Nicholl and Richard Thompson and Dave Mattox playing drums and, and Sandy Denny singing. And Swarbrick was, he used to be in a group called the Ian Campbell Folk Group, which was a, a Scottish folk band that were based in Berlin. Birmingham in England, which is where I was born and, and grew up. Um, and I, in fact, joined the Ian Campbell folk group, the group that Dave Swarbrick was in, after he left them. So he knew of my, he knew that I was a, a kind of bass guitarist from, from a rock background that was interested in folk music. And, and when Ashley left, he suggested that I'd be a good replacement. So I had to go for an audition. And uh, luckily, I passed the audition. And I've, I've been with him ever since. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that that audition must have, I guess, you you maybe didn't know it at the time, but it certainly led to, to quite, a, quite a career, right? It certainly did, yes. A, a lifetime of hair loss. <laughs> and... <laughs> and uh, the low frequencies, you know, they shake your follicles, and uh, there's quite a few bass players that, that uh, have my kind of haircut. But it's we're, we're cheap to run, you know. We don't have to spend a fortune on on getting our hair done. Wow. It's only the lucky ones like like Paul McCartney and Sting that have still got theirs left. Yeah, I, I didn't realize <laughs> playing the bass like directly led to hair loss. That's really funny. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> I'm not sure if it does, but I always use it as a as an example of you know to try and put people from off from taking up the bass guitar because it, it's more competition for us <laughs> um, and it means less less work opportunities mm -hmm. with all these youngsters coming up. You know, we're all brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, is the bass like you? You, I guess you must like the instrument, right? You've played it for for a while. I love it. I, the the reason I I got to play the bass was I used to play the guitar. I, I was a lead guitarist in in bands around Birmingham at the time. Uh, you know the the kind of nineteen sixty five around that time. I played with little blues bands and and I I went for an audition 
for a group called The Uglies, who were very successful at the time. The singer Steve Gibbons suggested that I, I, I didn't get the job as, as a lead guitarist because there was another guy there called Roger Hill who was better than I was. And, and I knew that. I knew I didn't have a chance when I saw Roger <laughs> going in for the audition. Um, but luckily, their bass player was leaving the band and Steve Gibbons, the singer, said, oh, Dave, you know, sorry you didn't get the job as lead guitarist, but can you play the bass because our bass player's leaving? And I said, well, I'm sure I could have a go at it, but I don't have a bass. And he said, well, he's selling his 1962 Fender Precision for £80. Uh, Why don't you buy it off him and, uh, you know, come and play bass? And that's when I became a bass player. And uh, luckily, it kind of changed my life because I don't think I would have survived as a lead guitarist. There were so many people better than I was. And I certainly wouldn't have got to play (laughs) with Fairport or Jethro Tull. So uh, changing to the bass really worked for me. And when I came to America on on the first Jethro Tull tour that I did, uh, which was in 1979, I bought that Fender bass with me. And when I was in Los Angeles, I got Leo Fender to sign it. Uh, I met Leo, which which was, you know, an awesome experience, you know, because he's every guitar player and bass player's hero in terms of manufacture i mean i mean he he made the electric bass you know the fender precision uh and he was such a gentle man and he, he gave me um a music man stingray which he also signed so i had two bass guitars signed by leo which sadly when i when i got divorced um i had to part with <laughs> mm. So someone's got my sign, Fender Precision. I think it went to a, a man in Japan in the end. Wow, gosh, well, <laughs> that, that's so cool. You like, you got to got to meet the the guy behind Fender, right? Like, that's that's really neat. I wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Leo. I've still got a photograph. I took a Polaroid picture. It's up on my um on my notice board in in uh, in, in England where I live. I still live in Danbury sometimes when the fairports are working. Danbury's, you know, in in between Birmingham and London. Mm. And it's a great place to be based when you tour in England. So the fairport convention, three-fifths of us have houses in Oxfordshire, which is where we have our annual Cropredy Festival. It's called Fairport's Cropredy Convention. And it's been running for about 40 years, in fact, yeah. Um, 45 years. And it's not a folk festival, although Fairport has this image of being kind of focused, but we, we never were kind of focused. We all came from, from a rock background. All, all the guys in Fairport learned and played rock music before they became in, interested in folk music. So our festival, it's never been a folk festival, and it attracts people from all over the world. And some, it's a very eclectic lineup of, of of music that we put on we've got now rogers headlining on the thursday night this year oh wow yeah <laughs> which no. is it, this is this is fantastic sam because it transpires that Nile rogers is actually a fairport fan <laughs> and that, that it's, it's it's incongruous because the musics are so dissimilar um but he i've seen him on television interviews and on two occasions he said that the fairport convention were one of his influences <laughs> oh that's so cool so, it's going to be it's going to be great meet i hope i get the chance to meet him on on uh, that's on thursday august the 10th if any of you people want to come over from seattle <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah 
No, well, I was just going to ask you about about that festival. It it seems like it seems so cool. Like you, I know you had Robert Fripp one year, right? Like you've you've had so many people like like playing at this. It, it seems like such a, a great a great festival. Oh, it's it's the best festival I think. Um, certainly in England, it's I say that because I'm one of the organisers, and in fact one of the people that set it up way back in in uh, in 1977 more or less when. When Fairport was splitting up, I lived in the little village Cropredy, which has a population of about 600 people. And we were asked to, to do a fundraiser for the local um, kind of village hall, you know, a place where people would gather for meetings and various functions, you know, like the Ladies Knitting Society <laughs> and, and, uh, and stuff like that. The village halls are a very important part of, of rural life in England. Um, and we said, oh, we can't, we can't play. It only holds 80 people. We used to rehearse there, you know, the band. Um, so we said, we'll find a farm and we'll, 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 we'll do an open air concert. And that's how it first started. Um, and we did, we, we played in, in the garden of um, a lady in the next, in the next village um, for three years running. And on the third year, we had about 2,000 people. So then we had to move out and, and, and started off on a, on a proper festival, you know, the proper way to do it. We organized everything ourselves, my ex-wife, Christine, and myself. And with lots of help from the local community, and it's grown from, from that into this wonderful event where we get, you know, up to 20,000 people every year. And wow. it's now a three-day event. And uh, we have people from all over the world. Lots of people come from the States, um, you know, and they come from Australia. They come they come from, from Europe. And, and lots of people come every year. We get like three generations of, 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 of age groups in, in, in the audience, you know. It's, wow. it's um if you look on the Fairport Convention website, you'll see what I'm talking about. Because it, it's a one-stage scenario, so you don't have to, you know, you come in, you get your seat, you bring your comfy chair, and you sit there, and it all unfolds before your very eyes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so cool. You, you like, made this music festival. I, that Yeah, you, you must have, I guess, like, you've had, what, they're like, 10, 15 people that, that play each year, something like that? No, there's more than that. More. There's, um, there's about 25, 25. to 30 acts that wow. play every year. But it's all on the one stage. I mean, we've had some amazing people. We've had Alice Cooper, oh. who said it was the best gig he did in Europe. Um, he kindly came. We've had Brian Wilson a few years back. That was amazing to hear wow. um, Beach Boys stuff on that field, you know, and... Um, Robert Plant's been a few times. We've had um, Little Feet, who are one of my favorite bands from America, who came. Um, Richard Thompson, who's the next member of Fairport, comes more or less every two or three years. It's, uh, it's a wonderful event, and it's for all ages, and it's a very eclectic lineup. There's something we hope for everybody. Uh, you know, if you're a folk fan, there's some traditional music. If you like rock, we we have some great rock bands. We have some prog bands, uh, you know, every year. We've got the Straubs this year, who's sadly splitting up. It's going to be their last ever appearance. Um, 
because Dave Cousins has had some some health issues. But it's it's just a wonderful event. It's great to be part of it. The, the Fairport is very much a family. Um, it's very much you know our fans. We're very close to our audience, and we know I probably know half the people in that field every 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 second weekend in August. Oh, no way. That's really great. You like get to know all the people that really enjoy your music. Like that. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And uh, we still tour. We've just done 26 gigs in uh, in England with our, our original, with uh, Dave Mattox, who lives in Boston. Dave mm. Mattox has been in Fairport in and out three times. He's got the record of coming and leaving. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's already got that record. So he won't rejoin us again <laughs> because he's already got the record for being the most the person that's been in and out of the band more than anybody else. Wow! <laughs> but uh, but he comes over from Boston to play, and he's coming over for Cropredy, and he'll be joining us next year when we do every February in the first week in March uh, our winter tour. Oh boy! Well, um, yeah. Well, next time you're in the states, I'll have to I'll have to pay you a visit. This it seems like a fair yeah. Fairport seems like a band that I would not want to miss when you guys are when you guys are playing here. Well, it's it's very kind of you. We won't. We have no plans to come back. We kind of gave up coming mm. to the states, despite the fact that the audiences are, you know, amongst the best audiences in the world in terms of enthusiasm and, and the satisfaction you get of, of playing in America is amazing. I mean, when we toured with Jethro Tull, you know, sometimes Fairport would support Jethro Tull, so I got to play with both bands. Oh, that's a lot of work. <laughs> which, which was quite, it was a lot of work, and it, it was really bad for my table tennis because um, while, I, while I was playing with, with Fairport in the opening act, all the rest of the tall guys were playing table tennis and <laughs> my handicap went really down. Um, oh I went from being second best to probably the last out of the crew. Yeah, I um, mean... But, you, you know, but it, it didn't, and I wasn't getting double money. I, I, it wouldn't have been so bad. I wasn't getting double bubble. Everybody went, said, oh, Peggy will be making a fortune. <laughs> but the Fairports... Despite the fact we were opening for Jethro Tull, we lost money on the tour, um, and and it you know it's it's just the cost of of, of keeping up doing one of those big tours. It, 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 we didn't have the funds to make it work. And when we played in America, we'd, our touring schedule was you know we'd be playing like little clubs. I mean, some nice clubs like the Bottom Line in New York would do. Um, and we we played in Seattle a couple of times, and we played we play like little clubs, but it was always we'd be driving ourselves round. We couldn't afford to have like equip equipment guys. You know, everything was really really hard work, and and we just we couldn't. The older you get, the the harder it is to 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 carry your equipment up three flights of stairs. Oh boy, yeah, that does not sound <laughs> like an easy job. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that's why we stopped coming to America. And nowadays, with the, the the cost of work permits and all the the red tape involved and everything like that, we we just prefer to to play in Cropredy in the village and and get people to come over. And 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 luckily they still do. 
there are so many people that come from the state you know every year in fact yeah yeah that's that's great i you know i'm glad uh glad you still have a bit of a, a u.s audience even though even though you're you're not coming back here but mm-hmm. i i know you you've been talking a lot about you played with jethro toll as well you know that seems yeah. like a, a pretty different style from from fairport right like you got folk rock and then you then you go to like kind of prog rock right yeah well we were we were always um you know uh, there are similarities in musically with both bands um jethro soul stuff is is a lot more complex music or used to be than the stuff that i would play with fairport and it's it's a bit more mathematical. It's not. It's a. It is a totally different approach from the way that Toll made music to Fairport. Fairports. We would have the song. You know, like Richard Thompson would write a song, or or Sandy Denny would write a song, and we'd sit around and learn it, and then we'd record it. But the way that Jethro Toll works is mainly Ian Anderson comes up, and it's sometimes. I mean, on some albums that I, I played on quite a few albums with Toll. Uh, like the broadsword and the beast and the first album I made was A um and then things like Rock Island and Crest of a Knave which won a Grammy believe it or not in the states um and was was a great album but a lot of the time the songs are all Ian would just write stuff and it would be like little bits of melody and little bits of arrangements and we'd put them all down, record them all without any lyrics and the lyrics he'd added later when he'd actually written the song around the instrumental bits that he'd committed to tape. So it was a different way of of working, yeah. But in terms of uh, playing the music live um, in front of huge crowds, it was totally different as well. It was a bit of a shock to me to go from playing to, you know, 500 people to 15,000 every night. Yeah, that seems... Um, that seems kind of yeah. crazy. I, I don't but know. Was, I don't know if I could uh, could do anything in front of fifteen thousand people, let alone play. Like, wow. Well, it's very exciting. I mean, it, it's just you know, the first gig I did was in Canada at the Maple Leaf Gardens uh, to sixteen thousand people, and on that same tour, we did two nights at Madison Square Gardens, and it's 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 just very exciting. I mean, I, I it, it you can't describe how exhilarating it is when you know you've done a really good show and you you know you've been up on stage for like a couple of hours and you're totally covered in sweat and um and you go back to the dressing room under the bleachers and there's you know 16,000 people just going bananas still clapping and shouting for more it's it's amazing it's just it's just an incredible sensation and luckily with Jethro Tull there were never any bad shows um because Ian was so, such a professional um and you wanted to do your best that the other musicians were amazing Martin Barr a fantastic guitarist and Don Perry a great drummer Peter Vitesse incredible keyboard player um you know, you you didn't want to let your mates down, so you you try really hard to well, you play your balls off if you pardon <laughs> the expression. Um, and so it was very satisfying. I, I do miss it. The only reason I left Jethro Tull really was I, I was playing with both bands, and one year I did about three hundred and twenty concerts, um, oh. and and made an album as well and it was just it was just so punishing a workload and at the time Ian was struggling with his voice he'd, he'd got some problems 
vocally and it, it wasn't this, as much fun as it used to be and you know I figured I should concentrate on what what I what was my my main passion and love and that was for Fairport Convention and to get the festival going and keep that going so that's why I left really yeah yeah that's gosh I mean that's so cool you have kind of these like two big musical experiences like you got Fairport and then you got Jethro Tull and and Fairport might I say is just such a such a great band um you know your your bass playing Sandy Denny's vocals are kind of crazy like I I I'm like wow every time I I hear it, it it's uh, yeah I, I really like Fairport Convention you know I, I'm a, a fan of the music <laughs> Yeah, well, that's nice. Uh, it it is a great band, and it, and it has you know such great songs and such a wealth of material, great stuff that's already been recorded. And and our current lineup, you know, we've which has been together for twenty two years, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we has we've always kind of changed the band's music according to who's come into the band. And we're really lucky nowadays to have Chris Leslie, who's an incredible multi-instrumentalist and also a great singer and, and is, is coming up with, with great material. Uh, our last album, which was called Shuffle and Go, um, which which is on our own label, we have <laughs> we have our own label in England called Matty Grooves oh. Records, <laughs> uh, which is kind of cool. Um, and so if anybody wants to get our stuff, if you look on our website, you can, you, you know, we, we can we can send stuff out to, to you. We don't have anything released on any labels in the States, mm-hmm. um, to my knowledge. But, but all the music is, and a lot of it's downloadable as well from Amazon and stuff. Um, and I think a lot of the Island, the early stuff that was on Island Records is still available probably in, in shops in the States. But our website is our main source of, uh, you know, letting people know what we're up to. And uh, if you look on there, you can get all the details about about Cropredy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will. I'll be sure to look at your uh, your new albums, and I'll I'll check out Cropredy too. That sounds like a, a great festival with some great music. Uh, it certainly it seems like a yeah a great experience. Excellent. Well, thanks, Sam. And um, you know, I hope your um, show gets listened to. On behalf of the Fairports, love to all our American fans. We 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 do miss coming over to over the crossing the sea <laughs> the yeah. ocean <laughs> but um but it's it's just you know we 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 can't we can't do it be, just because of we we don't have the audience that we have in america are very loyal and and very appreciative of what we do but there just isn't enough people to make it feasible for us to come over there you know mm-hmm. so we need you to come to Cropredy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well. Well. I. I really. I wish you luck with your turnout for that. It seems like you know you got a, a bunch of great, great musicians there this year, including uh, Fairport, of course. It, it should just be a great festival, and I'll be sure to to watch out for what happens there. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much, Sam. And now I better go and do the gardening. Um, All right. Well. Good luck. <laughs> All take right. care, mate. Cheers. I'm Sam, and I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dave Pegg, the bassist for Fairport Convention and Jethro Tull. If you enjoyed that interview, make sure to check out my back pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other podcasting platform to listen to many great interviews just like this one.